All right, so today on episode two of the Castle Raw Field Summer Vacation, we have a very, very, very special guest in the building. All right, we have a nine-year NBA vet, a 12-year pro. Correct. We have a French national team player. We have a first-round draft pick in the building. We have a father, and we have an all-around good guy sitting on the couch with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Alexi Agensa. <laughs> yes. So, listen, first of all, thank you for coming and being a part of the the platform, the podcast, the weekend, everything. Uh, you know, I, I started with this idea, I don't know, probably in March. And uh, I started asking around, and I went I went to our mutual friend, Max, and I said, Max, man, Craig, as well, who's on episode one, I said, man, is, is Alexi going to be available? Can he pull up? <laughs> the call was made, and you came through, man. I appreciate you, man. Thank well, you. Well, it's, it's, it is a pleasure, so I appreciate it. You inviting me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure we're going to have a good time. But yeah, for sure. All right, so, Alexi, usually, usually when I bring people on the show, I like to hear their story. I love a good story, right? Okay. And the only way that we're going to put the show together, the only way that it makes sense is if we start from the beginning. Are you cool with that? I'm cool with that. All right, let's go. So tell me about young Alexi. Who 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 were you as a kid? Uh, as a kid, I was always like taller than, you know, the average kid. So yeah. I always got... The guys that are trying to tease me and stuff like that, so I always had to defend myself. It was um, hating, bro. Hating, yes. <laughs> but you know, back then being different was a big, uh, you know, big. I would say big problem because you know guys and kids did not accept that. Yeah. So every day was like I had to defend myself, right? And then I was uh, also living right underneath the hood, so I was going to the school where everybody was going to. Yeah. So it was like challenging and uh also it did not help that my dad was a police officer okay and everybody know about it I, I did not help a lot um but it was uh i was a kid that was trying to get out of trouble okay because i was very influenceable yeah and uh and that was it and then i just got into sports so uh, so let me ask you this first of all I, and i know you get annoyed by this but are your parents well you don't people don't ask you this but are are your parents tall no, actually, my mom is five six, and my dad was a uh, six two. Wow! The so, mailman was seven feet. No, I'm, oh. just <laughs> I'm just playing. Nah, he just jumped a generation. Uh, okay. And my dad's side, uh, all my great uncles was like six eight. Uh, and uh, gotcha. you know, everybody's right. from West Indies, so people was working the sugar cane and stuff like that. So strong six eight. Okay. Yeah. So when when did you latch on to basketball? Was basketball something that you really wanted to do was it something that you saw and you said I'm going to be a basketball player or did you hit your head on the on the the uh, entry coming into the door and this basketball coach says uh you ever played basketball before was it something <laughs> like that did you how, how did how did basketball come into your life well my family is not really into basketball at all okay and uh so it was not something that I wanted to do Okay. Um, I was into uh, BMX, so I did like BMX and okay, racing yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so now my family was into that. You know, my sister did a lot of titles, my brother as well. Um, 
you know, World Cup and stuff like that. So that's what I was in. Yeah. Um, and then, like, a friend of the family, like, was like, hey, you know, you were tall. You should try to do it. And uh-huh. I, well, at the time, it was, like, 11, maybe. Oh, 11, so you started 12. pretty late. Okay. Yeah, okay. so they was like, you know, you should try it. And my brother convinced me, like, you know, the good thing of being a basketball player, you know, you will gain on on um, on height, not just that, but, it, you know, you'd be able to jump bigger obstacles for BMX. So I was like, yeah, you know what? Why not? Because, like, that can probably compete with the pros. Okay. So uh, that's how I got into BM, into basketball and uh, not really necessarily about my height because I was just terrible at the, at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So you actually hopped into the game of basketball to be a better BMX rider. Yeah, Definitely. All right. Uh, okay. That's a <laughs> hey. That's a fun fact uh, for all of you people who, yeah. He he didn't even want to play basketball for real. He just wanted to ride bikes and do tricks, man. <laughs> nah. Pretty much. But I got I you know the love came with the with the okay. passion in it and stuff like that. So then I was like it was a done deal because yeah. at the time I was doing BMX, uh, mountain biking competition, yeah. and then uh, and then basketball, and then I it, it become a point that I had to make a choice. So around like 13, my brother was like, hey, you got to make a choice on which sports you want to do. All right, all right. Um, you know, mind you, in BMX, I was, se- I was ranked second in the world. What? Yeah, so I was ranked second in the world. And uh, European, I was the first one. French, I was the first one. And then uh, mountain bike, I just got into the competition, and I started winning everything. So it was like, hey, you got to make a decision. And I'm like, well, basketball, I'm terrible at that. But but how how sorry to cut you how tall were you at this time? Well, when I was doing all the competition, I was like probably up till eleven. So eleven. Okay, so all right, all right, yeah. I mean, at twelve, I was six two. Okay. So I was still like taller than most of the kids. Yeah, but I mean, you can still ride a bike. I would still at be able to ride yeah. bike and stuff like that. So I just had to make a decision, and my brother just put out a good point, which one I can live with. Hello. <laughs> or live off, you know. So I was like, all right, so. Basketball is the one I wasn't making most money. I was like, well, there basketball it is, and I love basketball, so it was great. Yeah. When when did you know that you had something in terms of basketball? When 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 what was that point that you were playing and you said to yourself, I'm actually getting pretty good at this thing. Um, I would say when I was 15, um, I was in the the best school in, in France, so they was like, it's called INSEP, and it's like okay. um, the best athletes in every sports going there. Yeah. Um, so you got track, um, swimming, and uh, you know baseball and all this the stuff. Everybody the NCEP have a is it is it a feeder club? So did, were they attached to a bigger club? In the, no, okay. it's it's all really right. their own thing. Oh, so right. when we go into a league, um, a basketball stuff like that, we cannot go down. Like you know, usually okay. with teams, yeah. when you're the last, your team go Getting down regu- to different yeah, level. relegation. Yeah. Relegation. That like mm-hmm. we don't go anywhere. We just stay in the same level. Okay. Um, so, because it's a learning process, you know, you got kids that compete against pros uh, and yeah, stuff right. like that. So, so when I was like uh, 15, and then all my teammates was like hyping me up and say, "Oh, you you play like KG, or you play like uh, Dirt," and I was like, "All right, cool." Well, then I started to project myself into an NBA. I was like, "Okay, that's that's what I want to do." Here. Yeah, yeah, that's what all I right. want to do. Because at first I was like, "Well, maybe I'll be a professional in France." That's what I wanted to do. Right. You know, live off of it, be able to still run my family and stay in France. Yeah. And then uh, you know, just the hype of my 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 teammates and uh, that become my brothers and uh that was it. I was just like, you know what? I like that. I want to do that. Yeah, man. And I mean, you know, for those who don't know, France has a very rich basketball culture, all right? 
And you were even in the draft with Nick Batum, who is still playing in the league. Correct. And the French national team, which we'll get to that, you guys, you got some guys. I grew up a Spurs fan. Right. So, you know, TP is my guy, you know. I understand that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, y'all have a very rich culture. So I, I want to ask you, what, at what point did you go from Alexia Jensa, you know, figuring it out at 15 to now really being scouted. Like, you know, people are looking at you and saying like, all right, we, we see him on a, on a high level. What, what, at what point did that happen? Uh, or when, when did you start? So you went pro. I went pro at 17. Okay. Yeah. So that, yeah. All right. Let's yeah. go there. Uh, so I was saying, Right before I went pro, yeah. so the the year, the beginning of the year that I went pro, um, again my teammates talk about uh, what's it called NBA Draft Express or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know back then they were kind of like projecting the the new prospect and uh-huh. where they're gonna be at in the draft and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And um, I didn't know nothing about it because I'm not into basketball like this. So I knew nothing about it. So they were like, "Yo, we used to name you in the top 20. So I was like, okay, and I started to follow that. Yeah. So every time I was working and doing the games, I was looking where I was. And one time I was like five, I was like, oh shit, it's gonna be crazy. <laughs> uh, and you know, like, and that's that's where I was like, okay, it might be possible yeah. to do it. So that's where like it really clicked to become serious about the game of basketball, like his own. Yeah. Basically. So right before I become pro, that's where I was like, okay, around probably 17, 16, 17, yeah. Man, and the crazy thing is, you know, I talk about French basketball. Like right now, you guys have a number one pick, yeah, a possible number Victor. Man, I can't that, pronounce that his name is name. like it's hard for me yeah, to man. pronounce. Yeah, it's hard for you too. Yeah, I think is women. I, I got like I got it written here. Win, win Banyama. Win Banyana. Yeah. Okay. That's that's what I got. That you know, I got got my notes. Here. <laughs> Sorry, Victor. Uh, also, good luck. Hope you go number one. But oh, you will. But I mean, I saw. Side note: I saw a picture of him uh, standing next to Chet Holmgren. Right. He's like three inches taller than Chet. Yeah. Like this kid, he's like seven <laughs> three, seven four. It's crazy. Yeah. But then the funny thing is, like, he basically had the same uh, like body type when I first before okay. I got drafted. Okay. And his game is very similar to mine, except that I think he's at his age, he uh, he shoot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, our game was very similar, mm-hmm. you know, except the now it's a different time. Okay. So for him, it would be it fits right in, so it would be perfect. Perfect timing. At the time I got into the league, it's 2008, you know, all the big men, it's Shaq, Yao Ming, um, Mutombo is still there. They didn't want to see you stepping back. No, they just wanted yeah. me to run, rebound, and defend. Okay. You know, coach was Larry Brown, so he was old school. Oh, okay. Old so school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, it was right, right. completely different. Shooting, it was like, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's good for him. It's gonna be. It's yeah. gonna be good. It's, it's, and it's all about timing. I'm sure. Had you came out two years ago, right? I mean, you went in the first round, but you probably would have been top five. You know, at yeah, I mean, eighteen or whatever. Because now all of the bigs, like you, have to be able to shoot the ball outside. Yeah, Otherwise, right. they're not. So you have to be able to shoot the ball outside and protect the rim. That, yeah, you know. So you know, for a guy like yourself, like I mean. That's that's perfect in today's game. I agree. Yeah. So let me. So this is where we're going with it now, man. So we progression through the story, right? 
at at a certain point, it's time to go to the draft. So what what is that moment? What what is that feeling in your body leading up to the draft? Like, did you? I mean, when did your workout start? Like, what what what's that feel like? Knowing like this is gonna happen. Man, this the amount of stress that you have is unimaginable. Cause you like you you kind of know you're gonna go to the NBA. Damn. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, let me stop. Okay. No, no, no. All right, three, two, one. All right. So yeah, so um, before before the draft, like you super stressed, like you're so nervous about everything. The whole process with, towards the, the the draft is very stressful. Yeah. Because you know, like you know, you're gonna get drafted. Maybe you're gonna get drafted first round. Maybe not. Yeah. I knew I was gonna get drafted because I knew that I was so confident in myself that okay. I was gonna get drafted. Now a lot of people didn't know me. Yeah, yeah, so right. my goal in the workout was to destroy all the guys that had a hype before me. You know, so I had 14 workouts, I think, in maybe 20 days. So 14? I just never stopped. It was like, I don't know how long, you know, the, the process is, but I just never stopped. I was always in the plane, and I was doing back-to-back workouts. Yeah. Um, and it was just like... All my workouts was pretty much with DeAndre Jordan, Javon McGee, uh, Roy Hebert. I had oh. uh, one with Morris Pace, too. That's um, a lot of bump right there, man. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and like at the time, they were all like bigger and stronger than me. Okay, yeah, right. right. You know, so I would say like, you know, stronger than me because they were playing a, with the rest of those cats that were the same age. I was playing against 30-year-old and exactly, yeah. close to 40-year-old guys. Right. And uh, dirty players, you know. So yeah. playing against those guys, it was just to me it was easier. Yeah. But another 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 way is like I had those questions like, oh, okay, so why don't you play more than what what it is on the paper right there? Right. And I was like, the coach was like, hey, why don't you play more? I said, well, it's a question you should ask my coach. Yeah, that's a hard how, question. Like, why do you ask me? Like, <laughs> how do you want me to answer that question? I yeah. can't answer that question. And um, I had to tell them, say, well. You know, I don't play against kids that are the same age as me. I play against grown ups. You don't play against and high school players. Yeah, man. I'm right. I'm pros. right behind the pros. Yeah, I'm right behind the guys that signed a big contract. Yeah. I'm on young contract, so of course I'm not gonna play a lot. No, 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 no. Plus, I'm gonna make mistakes. The pros don't make mistakes like that because they've been in the circuit for a minute. So, and they don't have they don't have the they don't even have the leverage to make those types of mistakes that you probably were allowed to make. Exactly. You know, so you made a mistake you go straight to yeah. the bench. Yeah, they pros. <laughs> yeah, like we uh, we paying you to come over here and perform. You know, but right. for you, you were a project. So you got to feel your way through a lot of stuff. Right? That's right. So I mean, the whole process I was very nervous. Yeah. Um. But um. You know, the the whole process being, you know, you go put your suit on. You got to go and get um. Find your tailor, and then once you got the tailor, that you got to get, you know, yeah, choose bitch. your suit. Let's go there, man. Yeah, shoes, to the draft. Uh, shoes and everything. Uh, the suit is free, you know. So oh, they just want you to. Well, at that time, it, Instagram wasn't really popping. I mean, I mean right. it's there, but you know, it's you can't be in it. You weren't thinking about being an influencer back then. So yeah, did you have to like publicize? Okay, my tailor is, or I went and got this suit tailored at X Y Z. Did you have to do that to get the free suit, or did, they were just like here? Nah, I didn't have to do all that. The way they do it is the they knew that if they give a free suit to the NBA player, 
when there's going to be time to get sued because, uh, you know, at the time in 2008, the rule, the dress code was like everybody had to have a suit. Strict, yeah, strict. So, yeah, yeah, and there was no, like, strict clothes. Yeah. You know, now it's different. But at the time, everybody had suits. So guys have, like, at least 20 suits. So they knew at one point that we're going to turn around and go back to them because we don't know nobody else. Right. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to go gotcha. back to them. You gotcha. know, so they were like, hey, there's your free yeah, suit. There you go. You don't mm-hmm. have to advertise because at the time it was just Facebook. You know, Instagram came a little bit uh, yeah, right. later in 2008. Uh-huh. 2008, yep. um, so, um So, yeah, that was that's what it was. Once you choose your suit, what color you want and everything, they'll put everything together. And uh, the day of the draft is just you put your suit on, you got interviews. Um, I had interviews with a lot of French uh, newspapers and stuff like I that. I bet your head was spinning. Like, yeah. Just with all of it. Because it's, it's really about, like, just being uh, stimulated. It's a lot of stimulation when people are pulling you from all corners to say, hey, come do this, come do that. Exactly. And you feel obligated to do it because you're the new guy. You're trying, you know, you're trying to get on, so you have exactly. to do it. Exactly. And you feel bad when you say no, you know. So I was yeah. like, okay, I got to do all that. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, it was stressful. Me coming from a small town in France. Uh, what city were you born in? Uh, Saint-Étienne. So it's like 400K people that lives right. there. All right. Um, and Shout then, out. <laughs> it's your hometown. Yeah, so then I go straight to New York. And to me, it's like, damn, everything <laughs> is big. Yeah. A lot of people are rude. Hello. And, <laughs> you know, because they're all busy and they're all business people. So yeah. I was like, wow, that I have to be able to function around all that and then function to go to the draft. Yeah, man. I was, so I watched the video when you got draft, drafted, right? Okay. And you were actually in New York, like you said. How did it feel to shake hands with 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 David Stern? Like walking, actually walking across that stage, hearing your name, like was it like a relief thing? Yeah, did, it was. Did you release a little bit? Yeah, like, it was. Okay, it was, and I was so nervous to trip on those stairs to go up. <laughs> so I was like, that no, guy, do bro. not trip, do not trip, go up there and. And they got you in the hard bottom. See, they should have let you come up there in some Air Force Ones, man. <laughs> you yeah. wanna have you have all that all that grip, you know what I mean? Well, the, I'm European again. Suits with sneakers is as a no no for no, me. No. You know, yeah. so no no. You know, so I was like, all right, so I gotta I gotta be all fresh. And that was yeah. like my what my second suit I ever wear in my life. So Really? So yeah, so I was like, wow. I also saw Batoon was sitting there, like you guys were there together. It, yeah. Wasn't that cool? Like someone that that you know, you saw come. You know, I mean, y'all came up together. Yeah. And then y'all sitting right by each other, like, what you think, man? Yeah. And then you you know, you hear your name called, you like, all right, bro, I'm gonna see you in a little bit. You know, <laughs> like that's crazy, man. Well, like, we uh, we literally like kind of grew up together, so we okay. were like, we've been friends since like 15. All right, all right. And um, was he in the academy with you? Nah, he actually didn't make it. They didn't take him. You kidding him. me? Well, he, when he well, did I mean, a, when he did a tryout, he did okay. a tryout as a big man. You know, uh, and he's not a big, you yeah, know, yeah, so right. he did a try, he try to, uh, as a big man against me and those guys. Yeah. And, you know, he was just too short. So they were like, well, you, you, they didn't want him. Yeah. So he went to his team, like called Le Mans, and then mm-hmm. uh, the the head coach ended up being the national team coach. So right he put him under his wing and just made him who he is now in the wing and stuff like that. So for him, it might be the best play that he did to not come to the, uh, to, to okay. the academy. Um, but it's yeah, we've been friends since like yeah, we've been friends since like we're fifteen. So yeah. when we are at the draft, it's like going to draft with one of my best friends. That's you crazy. Know? So 
it was it was awesome. And then uh, he had a little situation because of his heart. Cause, okay, all right. I didn't even know that. His dad passed on the court. Seriously? Yeah. So his dad he, was his dad a, was a pro player and he played in France. Yeah, he was playing in France and he just collapsed on the court and died on the court in front of him. Oh, that so, sucks. So yeah, that was. Uh, I had no idea about that, man. Yeah. So he had to, so he had something similar to his father. So he had to. So they I mean, say we, it was I mean, an anomaly, but technically right. he did all the other stuff that he didn't. They were more scared of the story of his father, thinking that it's something that is Genetic. in DNA that is going to have the same problem. Gotcha. Um, so for him to go through that and uh, you because he was supposed to be in the top ten, mm-hmm. you know, and not getting the hype that he was getting, get drafted twenty fifth pick. That was uh that was sad because that's I'm like my best friend and I'm he's supposed to be drafted before me and okay, I yeah. drafted before him. Yeah. So there was just uh you know the whole process, but then when he got drafted, I just I was hyper to to see him drafted. I mean, yeah. hey, listen, man, you you know being a good guy, you know I'm not surprised that you were pumping him up like come on, man, put your hat on, bro. Like <laughs> yeah, no, nah, that's cool. Yeah. Let me ask you this, man. So you know I talked a little bit about French basketball, man. I want to pivot over to the national team, right? So you played on the French national team, which is mm-hmm. a big, 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 you know, accomplishment. It's an honor, right? Like for me, I mean, I played I, my professional career spent, you know, over 12 years, similar to you. Right. I wasn't anywhere close to playing for Team USA. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you know, for you, you got to play for your country, but also, man, you got to play alongside some some real ones, you know, in terms right. of basketball. Tell me what is – what what's it – what's – What's it like to get on get into national competition on a adult level for the first time? I mean, it's awesome to be able to represent your country. Yeah. You know, they have the, your country name on your chest. Yeah. Hear the national anthem before you play and stuff like that. Yeah. To me, it's always been a special moment because I'm, I'm very proud to be French. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. I was like to be able to be at the higher less uh, higher level it was always a no brainer for me it was like they asked me to come hey hey I come yeah unless uh, I really I really can't come because of family problems of course or you know health issue whatever then I will be there no matter what yeah you know so it was just amazing to be able to be at the highest level with my my friends buddies and stuff like that that I start, you know, in a young team because we did French national team when we were younger. Yeah. So with Batum, we did French national team mm-hmm. since we were like 14, and we had titles in the young teams. Yeah. Um. So then when we went with the pro teams, you know, we were like all hype, but we're like finally, you know, and then yeah. we are playing along TP, Boris Diaw, um, Decolo, Petro, Jelaba, Petrus, and yeah. all that. Oof. So you know we uh, we had a, we had a squad. And, and you just missed the Olympic run because you were injured that year, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I was injured, so I ended up not being doing the Olympics. That's the only thing that I regret. Oh man! But you know, um, I was a starting starting five that won the the European Championship. Yeah, yeah, I was just. We're the only one that. that did it. So to me, it's still dope because we're the only one that did it. I was a starting five, and do, do they have do, you, do they have your jersey hanging up back at home? Back home, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. But uh, in the academy, they had like a banner in the streets because we got like it's a big campus. So okay. in the street, they have banners, and they had one of my banners in there that, with my the years that I was in the in the academy and stuff like that. So I love that, man. All right, so we're pro- we're progressing through the story, Alexi, man, and now we at the NBA. So we talked a little bit about the draft. We talked about how you felt about being drafted, some of the 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 
the nice moments being there with your guy. A whole new life is is now starting for you, right? Right. We we can always talk about the highs of being a professional basketball player, but tell me about some of the lows. Tell me about some of the challenges. Did you get homesick at a certain point? You know, like tell me about some of the challenges that you faced, and it could be on court or off the court in in your first couple years. Um, the challenges is like it was. It was completely different, you know, like as far as the game was different, lifestyle was different. And uh, at the time, nobody told me, hey, this is how, how you can do stuff outside of, outside the court, like how you can open a a, a bank account and yeah. stuff like that. I didn't know how to do nothing. When you got that first direct deposit, did you look at your bank account and say, what the yeah is going on here? Like, yeah, so then I look at, uh, you know, it was like... um. It was just like, you know, those papers that you yeah, have yeah. all the bank statements and stuff like that. I looked at it and I saw like, you know, a big statement with like a lot of numbers, a yeah. lot of zeros. I was like, Jesus, Jeez. this is crazy. You know, mind you, in France, my, my paycheck was like 3,000 uh, euros. Every month. Every month. And, <laughs> you know, I go to the NBA and they always, I see all the zeros. And then I keep on scrolling down and I was like, final cut is like way less zeros. I was like... Wait a minute! What, what just back. happened? Like, back. what is that? Yeah, and it was like all the, oh, the tax. I had to ask my teammate, "Is that right?" And they were like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it makes sense." I was like, well. "I thought I signed for X amount of dollars, but hey, man, who? What, who why are these people taking my money? Do, 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 exactly. All these no, that's yeah. exactly what happened. And I was like, "This doesn't make sense." And I thought it was like you know they take the taxes on, you know the the full amount, not just no, every yeah. single month. So it was just like like simple stuff that I struggled with the every day to day life, and then yeah. I didn't know how to speak good English at the time. I oh, really? had very okay. very right. go, very strong uh, stronger accent, and um, and then yeah, I got homesick um, because mm. I got in the league. I was twenty, and I moved here by myself. Okay. So I had no family and, and everything. So my family was literally just coming for Christmas, and that was it. Mm -hmm. So it was it was hard to be able to understand the coach, and uh, everyday life. Um, what are, so, what are vets active in helping you through certain processes on the team? Like like your vets, honestly, that first couple years. Nah, Ugh. nah, because <laughs> I mean at the time, it's a different era. So at the time, like the players was not ready to like trying to think for the future, you know, oh, like right. for business and stuff like that. Be like guys just like to do their own thing yeah. and they didn't bring the the young guys into it. Ah, now they're trying to they teach me how to be handling the girls and everything. Okay, yeah. But then as far as business it was completely different. So I was like, okay, well, I ended up being a little bit uh by myself on that. Um right. but I did have like uh Justin Richardson that that helped me at the beginning. Jason Jay um, Rich. Yeah, because uh, you know, when you get drafted and I think you get like a little bonus at the time and yep. they give you fifty K to be able to um get your life together. So a, a house and cars right, and stuff right. like that. So I didn't know when I was gonna get my first paycheck. And I went through that that money quick and I was like because I, I had to get a, a apartment, open statements and I'm in banks and then get a car, furniture. Yeah. Everything went went quick. And that didn't I didn't have no nothing crazy. My first car was a uh the charger okay you know yeah. so it was nothing yeah, like, probably 30k or something yeah, like yeah nothing crazy um so i was like hey i had to ask him to loan me some money 
Because I was like, Jay Rich? Yeah, he came through and loaned me 10K. I yeah, think I'm, I'm sure, sure him. he had plenty. Uh, yeah, I think he, <laughs> I think I gave him more after that because, I, you know, I gave him like 12 or something like that. Um, okay. Just because he helped me out. Yeah, yeah, put and, um, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, he, he didn't sweat about it. I was like, here, there is Rook. I was like, all right. Thanks. <laughs> I like thanks. And then uh and then you know that that was big for him uh, for him to do that. But yeah, it's just little stuff that I struggle with. But you know the, the the crazy thing about the NBA right now, man, and I mean you well, you know, you you're not in the league right now because you know you've taken another step. But the thing about the NBA right now is they run they're running out all of the vets. So, you know, a lot of these teams, the oldest player on the team, he's twenty seven. Like what yeah. is it? like like, how are you going to help the 18-year-olds come in yeah. and, and get – I mean, are you going to place all the responsibility on the on the coaching staff? Are you going to place it on the on the franchise? Like, what? Like why don't you have a guy like Udonis Haslam? Right. And just – even if he's not in the rotation, I'm sure having him there will change the locker room completely. But I, they, they're running I these agree. guys out of the league, man. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I decided to retire. Okay. Um, you know, I was coming back from injury. I was still, like, in great shape and – I still can kick a lot of people's ass even if I play right now. Hey, listen, we two, but, we got hey, we ready for the two on two tournament this weekend. What's up? <laughs> I'm still in shape. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. But like you know, I was like, um, you know, they stopped calling overseas calling, and I was like, well, I kind of left that lifestyle overseas lifestyle okay to the side because um, I didn't want to be a, a, away from my kids. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, you know what. I'm not. That's it. I can't. I can't do it. So yeah. I was like, if they're not calling, it's fine with me. You know, yeah. like I had a great run, and then it is what it is. But I agree. I think they should just keep like a you know older guy in the, in the team, one or two, just to you know show them how it's supposed to be run. You know, yeah. and, and be able to help them outside outside of basketball as well. That's the big part, man. I mean, a lot of you know you you see it online. Like a lot of young players, man, they are wilding. Yeah, posting a lot, posting a lot of wild stuff online. Ugh, you know, I, 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 you would probably be able to tell me better than anyone else, man. Like just how it's 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 like a it's a hidden code. Yeah, just keep it off the internet. I right? agree. You will mess it up for all of us, you know, because you out here wilding. So yeah, that's 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 what I feel like the vets are. You know, important. That's why they are very important in a locker room and that's why I asked yeah. you about it. I mean you see it now with uh the Grizzlies. Hey, you know, a lot of cast a lot of people were talking about how the Grizzlies are wilding right yeah. now. Yeah. They're wilding online and on like, Instagram go, and Twitter and stuff like that. So they need they do need like a vet to be able to come in and you know trying to gather them and say, hey, be focused on the right thing. Yeah, and they and they got a nice team. So you would hate to see the team be, you know, tarnished by just nonsense. Yeah. Nonsense, bro. Stuff that has nothing to do with the yeah, game. I agree. Yeah. Man, what so we we we're pushing through, man. Also, this is a question I really wanted to ask you, man. Like when you come into the NBA as a first round pick, you got you have a lot of responsibilities. You have this, you have that. You get paid a nice salary. How did you manage to keep away from the sharks? Because here in here in America, they post your salary on yeah. the internet. They don't really do that in Europe. Like they, you, they really you can't don't. find people's salary. Uh, you know, they play Euro League if they play First League France, you right. know, Pro A or whatever. You don't see people's salaries online, but over here, 
as soon as you saw the salary, they like boom. Yeah. This is this is how much money he's making. Yeah. So how how did you avoid the sharks and people just trying to poach you and get this and get that? Was it was it was it difficult for you? Did you have somebody to step in on your behalf and say, "Yo, uh-uh, you know, hold up, stay back." How do you, how how do you navigate those waters? Um, it was hard. It was hard mm. because. Um, and people are always gonna tell you you can make a billion. Yeah, you know, exactly. Invest in this. You yeah. always got like the the frame of the you know somebody that you know and be like, hey, I got this amazing idea that can work. And um, I mean, you get burned sometimes. I got burned like a, uh, probably one time, one good time. Okay. And um, I learned from that. Okay, you know, so you I, just. Yeah, I learned from that, and then I I was just like you know be careful who I was trusting with my money, and uh, I got burned by my financial advisor. Oof. So that's a it was cool a common, because I mean it was the beginning issue. of my career. It was my first contract, so I didn't I didn't lose a lot. Oh, so right. it was fine with me. Uh, still pissed me off because I lost money, but at the end of the day, like I just be careful who I was trusting with my money in business. So I just started being more into it, and you know, basically learn more because yeah. you know you. They put you in this league, they put, they get you a big contract, and, you know, and I see all the time, you see, like, a lot of people, you know, most of the American players that make it into the league, most of the time come from the hood. And yep. they get, like, a lot of money, and then they have family members, cousins, and stuff like that that are, that are leech. You know, yeah. they're just there, say, and make you feel bad because you don't pay for this stuff. You don't give them cars or house. They call it a survivor's remorse. Yeah, so and then a lot out. of guys yeah. don't know how to say no, and they feel guilty because they feel like they own them something, you know. So, and uh, we had like conversation to be able like, hey, you gotta learn how to say no and learn from it, because otherwise you're gonna be one of those stories and be like, hey, this guy end up being, yeah you know, broke because of his family. And there's mental issues and, you know, stuff like that because it, it, it works on your mental because now you always got, like, family members and, and friends yeah, that's always, always in your on ear. edge. Yeah. You're always on edge. You're not fully focused on your basketball. And so, you know, you're all, everybody has different problems in their, in their life, so you always got to be careful and mindful who you trust and who you have around because um, you can't go down any, any time. So that's, that was the only thing that... I was mindful of who I was around and who I was trusting with my money and not just that, like who I was going out with. Mm. Um, because again, the, like the homies so can get you stories. hemmed up, bro. Yeah, so many stories and I, and I saw it all so many times with other guys, their friends got them in a situation that they should not even be in. Because yeah. they didn't do they didn't do no drugs and they didn't do no drinks and everything, but their friends were. Yep. They, they were they were doing that. Getting you know? in fights so, and all kind of crazy stuff. Yeah, so now yeah. I'm getting in fights and stuff like that. Now their name, their friend names, they're not in the newspaper. Mm. The, the guy is, now his reputation go down. Now he's losing deals because of it. Teams are scared to sign you because they feel like you, because you got red flags. Yeah. Yep. You know what? The, you so, know what? Yeah. I think that you learn, man. You learn, uh, and this is something that I learned growing up too. You learn the power of no. Exactly. And what I've came to learn is that um, no should no has cur your your yeses and your nos are are currency, right? Right. And the thing is, if you keep saying yes all the dang time, when it's time for you to say yes to yourself, you you ain't got you don't have anything left. Yeah, exactly. So you know, I think for a lot of people, you know, I don't think you should be like you know frigid or you know you know 
I don't, I don't think you should be cold, but I think no's are important, you know, because it'll give you an opportunity to be ready for when that opportunity comes and say, okay, yeah, we're going to do this. And, you know, for you, maybe you didn't quantify it in that way, but you started to say to you, you learn, you learn from getting burnt. A lot yeah. of guys, they just, oh man, well, maybe I can make a hundred K over here. I mean, you know, a hundred thousand, a hundred million over here. They yeah. do the same thing again, you know. Well, so. it's more like, you know, um, don't necessarily just trust people with everything. Trying to, you know, get all the information. Hey, how's that work? Question everybody. Hey, how's that work? Do how's research. the money work? How's the, do your research. Learn from your business that somebody wants to invest you in. It. Mm. You know, uh, just ask them a simple question. What is the business plan? Most of the guys that you know around that said have good ideas, like they don't have a business plan. Yeah, right. So that's out of the question. Well, once you get your business plan, come back to me. Yeah. You know, that's one way to say no. And they, because ne they never really come They back. never really do because yeah. business plan, is some, some is easy to do, some is hard to do. And it takes time to do the real mm -hmm. business, plan, uh, business plan. So they're not necessarily going to do it. So they're not serious with that. You're already out of the question that, you know. And I learned with... Um, you know, the MBPA that we had done some um, meetings and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, here's the line that you can say, hey, I talked to my financial advisor. He advised me that it was not a good move for me right now because I'm tired of a lot of business that I'm investing. Yeah. And I use that line all the time. It was like, it was perfect. Um, but it was just like, most of the time, it's just the, the business ideas just don't yeah. make any sense. Yeah, man. I, so for me, man, like, you know, I, I, I'm not, I, I didn't make it to the NBA, but I understand being a professional athlete, man. And I understand that, I also understand that a lot of what we do, people think is just, they only see the results. So we go out there and play, whether we are playing well or not, they see the result. They don't right. see us going through mental issues, you yeah. know, during the season, struggling at times, man, but still showing up to play. They don't hear all of the crazy stuff that these, you know, that fans may yeah. say to you. They don't I mean, there's so like, many guys stuff, that went man. through stuff like that, you know, like uh, that famous interview with AI say, we talk about practice. The day before, he just lost his friend that just got shot. You know, he does the only thing you, buy, you think about yeah. is just my friend just, my I grew up with just died. Yeah. And then you over here talking about practice. That's why he's saying that. And the fact that but he had to all, go back We all don't know that. Yeah. And we all think about, oh, he don't care about the game. He don't yeah. talk, like. You know, it's like a lot of players going through that, you know, and for example, for me in 2010, I lost my, the cousin of my mom, my grandfather, and my dad in three months. God damn, man. And then it was national team and that when that old thing happened. You still had to perform. So then I, I, I was deciding to not play. I was like, listen, I'm done playing. I'm, I just want to be with my family. I'm done going back to the league. I'm done. Yeah. Then I was like, let me just go with the national team. And I, and I just trying to forget about it by just being focused in basketball. But what I was doing and just pushing my problem to the side instead mm -hmm. of dealing with it. So then I, every day for a long period of time, I, that's what I was dealing with because I had like my mental issues. I was just thinking about, listen, I just lost everybody that I care about in that period of time. You know, and 40 days after my dad passed, his uncle died. God dang, man. And, uh, and I was like, every time it was like, remind me that old people that I care about this die. And then I had to go in there. And, and you were over here. Yeah. You, know, you weren't and even then, And then, yeah, I was, uh, I was in Dallas at the time. And then we were doing a, we were doing a run to, to go and win the championship. Mm -hmm. 
So then I ended up being traded uh, in February, and then Dallas ended up winning uh, the championship. I ended up being with the worst team at the time, which was the Toronto Raptors. They had like 17 wins when I got there. Jesus. And I was like, I go around, bounce around. I, lead, uh, I was going through everything in life, and I was away from my family. I yeah. was by myself in America, by myself in, in, in Canada at the time. And I had my girlfriend at the time. We ended up being my wife. And, you know, me and her were going through it because of what I was going through mentally. You know, so it was just, it hey, was too you, much not, dealing could with. Could you not find the words at that time to, like, say to her, like, listen, I'm struggling. Like, I, so for me, right, like, it's, it's really interesting to hear your story. Um, I dealt with something similar. So in about one and a half years, right, lost my grandfather, mother, grandma. So I lost my mom in two, 2013 in March. My grandma died in November. Mm. You know, Sorry so when I lost my grandfather, I uh, we were actually preparing for the playoffs. No, the playoffs. So I, my mom called me about my grandfather, and the playoffs were approaching. He passed, bro. We had to play a five-game series. Dude, I play like crap. Right. I play like crap, man. I couldn't handle it. And then, you know, we fast forward to 2013, my mom passes, and then for me, I almost stopped playing. Right. And the only reason that I played again is because I felt like I had to. Right. Because basketball has always been my refuge, you know. Like, any time that I was feeling down or whatever, I just go to the gym and work out. Right. And then I would, I would, I would be working now and I would get a chance to sweat and do whatever I got to do but at the end of it I feel refreshed you know what I mean so basketball has always been that for me that's the only time where we don't think you don't yeah you can't think yep. if you if you really about it bro once you cross that line once you step on the court you got to perform yep. like you know so for me it's always been a, a safe haven for me and again man a lot of people only see the finished product yeah, they don't. They don't understand. Like we human. Don't know. Like we dealing with some crap. It could be situations with girlfriends, wives, kids, family, money, this, that. All it's eleven thousand things going on. But when those lights come on, God perform. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's that's what a lot of people don't understand. They only see the you know the, the the nice stuff that comes out. You know, yeah, I got I got nice cars, got a nice house, I got a nice lifestyle. But, you know, it's a lot of downside. There's a lot of stuff that comes with it. Yes. Yeah, you know, like roaches that's around you that want money and all the regular day-to-day life. You know, everybody go through something except that you got time to be able to mourn the person that you just lost. You know, and as a professional athlete, you don't have the time. Don't have time. Because they give you like, I think, I mean, for my dad, they give me like four days. And then I was like, okay, we need you to come back to the national team. And I was like... I don't want to come to the national team. You know, I was like, I'm done. Four days? Yeah. The and then he, that? Yeah. You know, it was like, national team not playing. I was I was crying on the court. I was like, I can't play. And yeah. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do nothing. It's so crazy. So it was man. just like. I had that same, that first playoff game that I was telling you about. Dude, like at tip-off, bro, I was crying. Yeah. Like, and that's like, what I'm saying. Was, like, you know. Like, it sucked, bro. It's a lot of stuff that comes with being an athlete that a lot of people don't think of. You know, like, but the mental health is really is really big. You know, yeah. like, it's 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 big. And I think where me was a turnaround is when I started to have a mental coach, and I was 
all right, uh, all right. 2013. I just started hiring a mental coach. So you ex you actually accepted the help because a lot of people, man, they like we always want to feel like we're great and yeah. we're not ready to. So you you actually welcome some. Well, some the help. way it happened is like when I was in uh, in uh, academy, we had the same guy, uh, the mental coach that oh, came to help right, us. All right. Um, so that was big at the time and stay focused on what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, he ended up being there for another player in the team. Okay. So just talking to him and I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to go and talk to you. And then we, all we did was just like be able to prepare me more, uh, for the court. We needed to necessarily talk about what was going on in my life. We talked a little bit, but it was mostly like getting prepared on the court. Once I retired and. Everything was going left and right on my, on my, in my life. I was like, you know what? I need uh, professional help. So I, I went in to go and get uh, a real therapist, be able to do function and do stuff. Because otherwise, I think it's in our, mostly in our community. You know, in the black community here in the, in the U.S. Is, is strong like that, but it's, it's all around the world. Yeah. When we're black, we just feel like going to see a therapist, it makes us feel like, oh, you're crazy. Or you're weak. You're weak. And especially when you talk about it, yeah. you know, when you talk, when a man talk about his feelings and stuff like that, it's considered as weak. So yeah. when we just take everything ourselves, don't necessarily talk about our struggles, and we talk about with with our boys, but our boys are not therapists, no, no, right? No, so no, it's no. different. So that's why it's like it's dope to be able to go see the professional help yeah. and embrace that. We know we know like remorse and feel like it's type of taboo about it. All right, so, Alexi, we talked about a lot, man. We talked about how you came up as a young person. We talked about basketball. We talked about this. We talked mental health. We talked about your family, all of that stuff, right? You know I got to ask you some NBA questions. Mm -hmm. All right. So, first, who – did you ever have a moment where you got on the court and you said to yourself, like, oh, my God, that's him? Did you did you ever have that moment when you played? <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, I did have a moment, especially when I first got in, and it was Shaq. Ooh. And I don't know who was, was it. Was it Phoenix Shaq? It was yeah, Phoenix Shaq. Because it was, old, yeah, 09, 08, 09, yeah, yeah. Well, I know Phoenix Shaq, Shaq uh, I would say Miami Shaq, and not Miami Shaq, uh, Phoenix, Cleveland, Boston. and Boston. yeah. So Phoenix Shaq, he was right next to me at a free throw. I was supposed to box him out. <laughs> when I say I was supposed to, I tried my best to box him out. Okay, gotcha. So he just pushed me out of the way, got the rebound, dunk on me, and I couldn't do nothing. And I was like, okay, so now that's that's what it is. Was that was, was that your welcome to the NBA moment where you were like, oh, okay, this is this is like. Like it, I think to me it was my welcome to the to the NBA moment, but it was not my first year. I think it was okay. my maybe second year. Yeah, or maybe it was the end of the first year. But yeah, I was like, Jesus, that's that's yeah. how it is to be able to guard him. And I literally just tried to push him as hard as I could. <laughs> he was just just too strong. Listen, man, Kevin Garnett talks about guarding Shaq, and Kevin Garnett says, imagine you standing out, you standing outside. And uh, one of the walls from your house starts to fall, right. like slowly on you, and you trying to do this. He said, "That's like Garden Shack, you know." Yeah, and he, it was <laughs> a literal just wall so falling on you and banging up against you. Yeah, it's, it was just 
ridiculously strong. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I mean, I haven't seen nobody be able to guard him and contain him. Yeah. So I mean, what? What are you gonna do with someone who, first of all, who's that strong, but also, Shaq can move, man. Yeah. He can. I mean, he handle the ball, all of that. Dude was nah. He was different, man. Yep. All right. So we talked about Shaq, but who? Who's your toughest matchup? Who's the who's the guy that you just couldn't figure out? It don't matter how much film you watch, doesn't matter how many times you you know you you took away his his one and his two. Who was that guy that gave you the most problems? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. It was like some guys that are just super strong. Okay. And it's hard to guard. Because they had the um, leverage and all that type of stuff, right? Yeah, and then they were moving very well as well. So it, um, it was a guy in uh, Minnesota. His name was uh, Pekovic, I think, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. White dude. Uh, Nicola, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think, yeah. He's just very, very strong. Like, it was just... To be able to guard him, and then he was like very mobile, so he was had like like very nice moves. So yeah. it was hard to guard him. Yeah, um, I would say like you know guys like that, um, Dwight a little bit, but Dwight didn't have that much moves. So once he catched the ball a little bit further, he just I just let him shoot. Now okay. he is back to the basket and trying to do his running hook. That was just annoying, but <laughs> he was not very consistent with it. Yep. So it was fine. But in you know it's a lot of guys uh, in the paint that was not really back to the basket guy. Okay. You know, most of the back to the basket guy was like older, and then they were out of the league. Yep. So at the time, like it was like I got there, it was like um, end of an era, beginning of an other era that mm. the the guys just facing facing up and just play. Um, you know, Chris Bosh was hard to guard. Um, yeah, Chris Bosh, man. Oof. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a shame that his career got cut short. Yeah, he was uh, he was Bosch really was really nice. But I would say, you know what? The guy that probably the toughest to guard was uh, Zebo. Yeah, Zach okay. Randolph was right, just, right. he was just on those level. Bull, right? He you was know, a, you know, he was bully. You have know you what I'm saying? Uh, bully bull and Have so you nice. seen Kenny Lofton Jr. play yet? Young uh, kid for, from the, Louisiana Tech. He and played with the Grizzlies. Yeah. Yeah. I saw him play and uh, yeah, he reminded me of him. That's right. Just banging. Like all, of, all he wants all of the contact. Yeah. Okay. That's an old school guy. The way he played, it's yeah. like old school. I like that. I it, like I like the the old school. You know, when the the big man was just yeah, back man. to the basket and do the, the do the thing. And I like to think of him as like Zebo. I don't know if he's if he's gonna rebound the ball as well as Zebo, but I like to think of Kenny Lofton Jr. as a, a Zach Randolph on steroids. You know, because he's <laughs> stepping. He really stepping down and shooting the jumper. Yeah. You know, so he got a lot of that. But man, he gets he gets at it, man. So. So we, I asked you the toughest matchup. You know, I asked you about the superstar stuff. All right, th- th- this is when. Tell me about the first ridiculous purchase that you made. Something that you look back like, even if you were to find it in your closet today, and you would say to yourself, "Well, this was a terrible investment." Did, did you did you ever make one of those decisions, or were you pretty safe with how you were moving? Um, I was pretty safe with everything. No but, Escalade on 22, spinning rims and none of that crazy stuff? Nah, I mean, <laughs> I would say, like, the the thing that uh, at the time what I spent the money was I spent 8K in the chain, and I thought it was stupid. <laughs> after you ma- after the, the purchase was completed? Yeah, 
I thought it was stupid, and also wasn't sure if it was uh, completely real. Cause I, I don't. Again, I didn't trust anybody. Okay. You know, there was a jeweler that was doing all the jewelry for most of the NBA guys, and I still didn't trust him. Yeah. So then I took the chain after probably like two years later, and I got a got a test in a regular jewelry store. Yeah. Uh, some of them were just didn't ring. <laughs> so I was like, this is a high and jewelry that still a lot of people would like use and i just didn't like to this day they yeah, still mess with him yeah and i still didn't say none but i was like it was 8k i was like i was sweating at the time i was like yeah it's 8k man like why did why did i do that you know and and the tester said it didn't even talk back to the chain man god damn. not all of them okay all right, you know all right. so and that's why i was like wow and I was at the time where, like, you know, everybody would love to have a black diamond, but there's no such thing a black diamond. Yeah. You know, so I was like, let me get some of that, you know. And then, uh, oh, man. And then uh, I mean, after over the years, it was some whips and stuff like that. I got Rolls Royce and stuff like that. Okay. Um, but I, at the time, I, I made more money. So it was it was different. It you was know? you were fisc- fiscally responsible. Yeah, yeah, I try. That, I try yeah, to be. I try to be. Yeah, yeah I try to be uh, responsible. Chad, Chad Ojo Cinco said uh, he gets all his jewelry from Target. <laughs> so, but you know what? It's a lot of players that that have fake jewelry, fake watches. Just nobody knows about it. You don't want to have that Ace Hood situation you know? where uh, your watch breaks uh, on the red carpet. You know, hey. you picking up pieces of your watch. <laughs> you got you got ra- you got rappers and stuff like that. I'm I'm sure they have fake watches and fake stuff, but then nobody knows about it. You know, yeah. you just, you have a whole market like that. But oh uh, man, hey, this is another story. I think a lot of people know about it. Some, you know, it's just about the hype. Nobody's gonna go into the club and challenge you to trying to. No, what hey, is your thing? Real, you know. We yeah. got guys in the locker room. We had like talks and stuff like that. So I was and like, they knew they were like, man. Yeah, they were like, yeah, let me see your let me see your Cuban chain, you know. And yeah. they were like, hey, my Cuban is like a, a little bit, uh, you know, heavier light. than yours. Yeah. Yours is a little bit lighter. <laughs> and they were like, man, I don't know, man, I got it straight from the generator. <laughs> you know, you know, but like you got your funny, chain man. out the middle of the mall. That's what yeah. Gucci Bay said. <laughs> it's funny, man. It's it's yeah, but you know, oh. over the years, you just realize that. You know, you don't need to have to live for other people because that's what it is. You know, having a nice stuff, nice design, and nice cars. Yeah. You don't necessarily buy this for yourself. You like you buy it for, you know, the lifestyle that goes with it. Hey, I gotta make sure I look apart, and I, you know, I look good in front of everybody. That I got a nice chain and nice design, but it really doesn't matter. You could be looking like a million bucks, and you got some Target stuff on it. Yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Like, I mean, that's why we see that all the time. The billionaires, everybody uh, that making the most money. They don't. They don't have all the designers. Of stuff, yeah. They don't care about it because that's not how you make your your bread. To to your point, man, and it's the, it's the same thing about how I met you, man. Like before, you know, before I actually met you one on one, the the narrative on you where you just were a good guy. Like no one that I talked to about you said, "Oh man, he got." money on top of money and we do this they were like nah he's just a good person like just a good guy and i and i kind of live that way right of course it's okay to have nice stuff but at the end of the day the only thing that people are going to remember is who you were yeah or or who you know who you are right right and i think there's more value than that than you know just having i mean having like i said having stuff is cool but yeah i mean what's the point to brag about it you know what i'm saying like either you have it or you don't you know i mean 
And that, and, I mean, you see that all the time on social media, all the people that brag about, you know, money over the years and stuff like that. Yeah, it's cool, it's fun. So you haven't done the money phone yet? No, I never did. Okay, all right. I never all right. will. You know, oh, okay. You're okay. never going to see me doing that. I think it's stupid. <laughs> um, Jay-Z Jay said the same thing. Well, the main reason why I said that is because you bragging to somebody that don't have it, then now you're giving a, uh, you creating haters, you know, yeah. that people that envy you. And then after that, you're surprised that you get robbed. You know, like, that's what it is. You got people that when they don't have it, they see that you have it. They don't necessarily look up to you. They're mad because you have it. They don't. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah, now yeah, they're yeah. going to see you in the, in the street and be like, oh, that's that must be his car because I saw it online. Oh, that must be his chain. That's real. I know. I saw it. I saw all the money he had. So then you. Don't drop the Addy. Yeah, you don't, barely, you don't. basically, you know, make yourself an easy target Yeah. for no reason. It just You don't have to brag about it. Just live your life. Only you and your your peers know what you have. You know, you don't yeah. have to brag about it. Yeah. And that's what I realized over the years, like you don't need none of that. No. Validation is lame. Yeah, the only it, validation you need is from your, your family and God. That's that's about it. How how many cats and I mean I'm sure you probably know a ton of cats that have a ton of bread, but they just empty as hell inside. Like they don't they can't even enjoy the spoils of their, you know, or the fruits of their labor because yeah. it, there's an emptiness there, right? And I, yeah. feel, I feel like the people that are, scream, you know, screaming online about what they have, they're security there anyway. Because, I mean, like I, like I always say, if you have something, you have it, right? Right. Yeah. So, all right. So, let, let's, let's go here, Alexi. All right. So, first of all, congratulations on retirement. <laughs> Thank Congrats. you. Congrats. Thank you. Man, that, like, I mean, to even say that, You've done something for an extended period of time, you and and now you you've made the decision to say, okay, I'm done. Congrats on retirement. Let me ask you a couple of questions about where you are now. Mm -hmm. So we talked about the NBA. We talked about a lot of different stuff. Now you're in retirement. Did you prepare for retirement before you actually made the announcement, or was it a situation where you said, okay, I'm making the announcement now? I'm going to start on the journey. How did you approach retirement? Um, so before I announced it, I kind of knew that I wanted to retire at a certain time. Not how I wanted to, mm -hmm. but I will be like, I got prepared, but not really. Okay. So it was like, you know, pandemic, right before pandemic. And I was like, you know what? I need to start doing some of those uh, MBPA meetings that they are, that it offers is free that we would do, you know, training and stuff like that. So I ended up doing that. I went to the NFLPA that with the NBA, we did one meeting together to be able to, you know, know what we want to do. Yep. Um, you know, one was with um, what's it called the the guy that doing the All American, uh, Pay Singer. Okay. That's his life, and his, he was that was his show. He was there, so I yep. talked to him, and. Um, and I was like, you know what? What he was doing, he was like, he decided to do a, a bunch of different uh, uh, training and stuff like that to be able to find his path. And mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. So then I ended up doing, uh, I ended up doing uh, this class uh, with the NFLPA and the MBPA. And then I did like, you know, coaching class, uh, sportcaster class, okay. um, all the stuff. And I did a five uh, five weeks internship into uh, venture capital. With Rashawn Williams, that's taking care of a lot of um, athletes and uh, rappers. Okay, to be able to invest in the right direction, mm -hmm. he's he invested with the top 
20 VCs, venture capitals in the in, in the in the country okay. I mean, in the world. And you got to work with him one on one. I got to work with him not one on one. There was like a group and okay. everything. All right. Um, but I learned a lot, and uh, you know, I got to be able to into the this conversation to be able to invest in the right um, businesses. Okay. So that was a very uh, entertaining and learning process, and um, you know, I I was like, you know what, what I want to do is, I like a lot of different stuff, and I can't just be in just a simple one box and be like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Right. So I was like, maybe entrepreneur is my is my lifestyle, mm-hmm. and that's what I ended up being doing, you know, entrepreneur life, and uh, started you know building businesses and being interested in other stuff. But sportcaster is one of the stuff that I want to mm-hmm. do. Um, so that's that's the type of stuff that I think I'll be great were, at. Were you able to bridge the, the the passion part of it? Because see, for us as basketball players, man, we live on passion. Like Correct. that's the reason why you wake up at five a.m. and you train three times a day. It's not yeah. it's not really because of the money. It's because you love it. Yeah. You know. So for me, there was a there there's a little bit of f- fear involved because. I'm going from something that I'm very passionate about that I I sleep and wake up thinking about right to possibly doing something that I'm not so passionate about. Did you have some fear attached to that where you were like I don't know what it's going to look, you know, like uh maybe this what was there some fear and doubt involved? Yeah. When you were approaching retirement? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fear. Um and doubts because the way it happened is like, you know, I got injured and then after that NBA stopped calling and then overseas stopped calling and then I tried to go overseas. Being away from my kids was just, uh, it was tough. Ten, to 10 months, you don't see your kids for 10 months. And I was like, eh, they can come visit, but they have school in the same time. So I was like, that's not it for me. You know, so I had to figure it out quick. And it was stressful because, well, I'm, I'm in the position that I was, um, I had made good like a good living playing basketball, yeah, so yeah. I, I had time to figure out what I really wanted to do. Yeah, and a lot of guys don't have that luxury to be able to figure it out. They got to yeah. figure it out quick. That's yeah. also why you see a lot of basketball players end up being trainers and stuff like that because that's the easiest thing to do. It's a nice transition. They, yeah, it's yeah. the easiest thing, and it's they're still very passionate about it. Around the game, and then yeah. it's something they know, and they end up very good at it because mm-hmm. that's that's what they always did. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys also end up being a coach and then after that going a different route because they have also passion that they figure it out. Yeah. But that, the easy way was to make, make money right away. Yeah. Me, I was in this different situation, so I had to try to figure it out, how to make money, what I'm passionate about, and go 100% in it. Mm-hmm. Now I kind of feel like I found my path and that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. Let me let me ask you this, man. And I'm I'm now in this same space, so it's it's really, it's really. I wouldn't even say it's ironic, but it's it's nice to be able to talk to you because we actually, okay, again, I didn't play in the NBA, but right. you know, we we kind of on similar paths in terms of like what's happening next, right? So, do did you ever have have you had that moment to look back on your career and say, I did that because you know, for me when. I never, I never wanted to be comfortable, so I always critique myself even right. when I was doing well. And what that did was it fed my hunger to be to to, to continue to be better, right? Right. So, I think now I can look at my career and say, look back on it now and say, yeah, I did something nice. I was I was pretty good. Yeah. You know, have you had that opportunity 
They don't, and not even injuries or what you know, not even that part about it, but the fact that you actually did it. Have you actually had a moment to say, "I did that"? You know what? I never thought about it till I was low. I was lowering myself at the time of my life. I was low, and then I was like, I, I was questioning a lot. Mm-hmm. And then uh, some of my friends was like, man, you don't realize, and I think Craig did that tell me like mm-hmm. a couple of times, it's like, you don't realize like you really inspire a lot of people by just talking and telling your stories. And not just that, it's just like what you what I accomplish, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I never really had paid attention to those things. Till you know, like I look at look back of what I have done, not just basketball wise. Yeah, I did a lot of stuff basketball and BMX and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But then as a as a life, I you know I produce a movie. You know my movie is in, is on iTunes, and I was like, really? plug yeah. the movie, man. <laughs> tell the, tell the people, man. What's what's the name of your movie? It's man? called Let... Nola Circus. Okay, Nola um, Circus. So yeah, when I was in New Orleans with a bunch of different uh, French athletes. Um, the, collabs and produce a movie and we did it if we film in new orleans oh man that's um, amazing man yeah so thank you so uh you know stuff like that i was like you know i produced a movie i can say i did that yeah you know i i wrote a book and i was like i can say i did plug that. your book right there <laughs> camera one was, was, it's uh, called or, the, you can, or you can hit this camera too this is yeah it's, it's called the view from here uh by alexis agenza um yeah, I think you had it right there. Yeah, it's right there. <laughs> wait, wait, okay, yeah, I, I would say grab it. Yeah, it's right there. I can grab it. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, Matter of fact, grab it, grab it, Alexi, man. Get, go ahead and take it, man. Come on, get get that get this plug going, man. Right here. Oh, yeah. There you go. There he goes. So... All right. <laughs> so, uh, Alexi, Agenda, the view from here. Yeah, so um, the book is mostly talking about um, what is it to be different, you know. And I figured like a lot of a lot of players, not just players, but people in life in general, can relate to it. Um, You could be feeling different by being fat, overweight, you know, skinny, super tall, or short. And I was like, you know, a lot of people can relate to that. And I'm giving tools basically to not let the viewers of people affect you mentally. Yeah. And um, you know, I figure like a lot of a lot of kids growing up probably going through that with the social media and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh they probably be able to relate to some of my stories going up and see how I overcome those. Um so I'm giving tools and stuff like that in there and they have, you know, stories and stuff like that. But so mm. so just looking back about everything that I accomplished, building businesses, um some that didn't work, some that were, that started work uh involved with, you know, Closing line, uh, dear B ball, um, dear B ball. Yeah, dear being and B, the word, the letter B in the ball. Um, it's all about like you know NBA uh, gear and streetwear, so stuff yep. like that. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just about like you know what I've been doing, and a lot of my friends have been like you know encouraging me like, hey, you you did some, so I appreciate that, and it's just mostly trying to be known not just as a basketball player, as all this stuff. I can do other stuff than basketball. So that that's also a question uh that I wanted to ask, man. Like right now when you when you go into post playing career, you have to create a divide. Otherwise you're always gonna be chasing what you were. Right. So have have you has the transition been good? Like saying to yourself, I'm Alexia Jensa, I'm 
a businessman, father, right. entrepreneur, philanthropist, all of that stuff. Have have you now accepted it to say like, okay, I'm not I'm not this anymore? It took time. It took time to be able to not doing basketball anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and watching basketball and see all the guys that got drafted in the same year than me and still playing. Yeah. And it took time to be able to, you know, move past from that. Because you'd be like, you know, you don't know, but you started feeling depressed. Because that is gone. It's not going to come back. Yeah. Right? So now it's a new life and be able to accept it and embrace it. But now I'm past that and I love it. You know, I love it. I love all of it. You know, yeah. like right now in my every day is just taking care of my clothing brand and my solo panel company. Because I, I just started a new business and it, uh, it goes great right now. So it's all about growth and be yeah. able to find passion on what it is and what's next. So, Alexi, what's next? Right. What's next? Right now, I'm like 100% in my solar panel company. Solar panel company. Yeah. Plug it. So, it's called, here you go, Shield Smart Homes. And we all around the country. Uh, so, we we just deal deals with everywhere and we're trying to help people with their bills. You know, so as an owner, it's just about like trying to educate the, the, the people with it. Because yeah. a lot of people don't know about it, but it makes sense on a lot of different uh, different aspect of the of the your house. Yeah. So, Alexi, a big thing about my show, man, is manifestation. I love speaking positivity into the world and actually taking action and making it happen. What's the perfect scenario for Alexi Agenza? That could be personal, professional, or both. What's the perfect scenario for you? Um. You know, what I manifest the most is, I would say, like, happiness, because when I once you're happy, a lot of stuff fall into place, right? The business going well. That's a bar. The <laughs> the business going well. Uh, people, the health going well. Because when you're happy, like, you know, you're not stressed. You know, stress is, is so powerful and fear as well. So, you know, once you're happy and you can go uh, – you can go to places that you never imagined, you know? So I always think, you know, like every day, don't let the word to uh, somebody else affect you, but it's also like, you know, be able to, to go to the next level by believing yourself, you know, believe in yourself and yeah. encourage yourself every day. And, uh, and I think ha- happiness is the, the, the biggest one, you know, but uh, as far as, you know, I'm manifesting a lot of stuff. Yeah. I want to manifest, you know, being, uh, being on TV, being able to talk about basketball, um, because I'm bringing a different aspect, you know. I'm come from overseas. I understand what the players come through. Uh, even the American players that wouldn't play overseas, they didn't end up being the NBA. What they go through, the changes and stuff like that. Uh, so I can relate with some players. Um, you know, I manifested a podcast. You know, yeah. and manifest that my companies is over the roof. A lot of people understand what it comes with. Uh, manifest my book uh, because. I I haven't translated yet in French. Okay. And I think that's going to be key because a lot of... Take it home, man. Yeah, a lot of people in France, uh, you know, know me from playing basketball, and I think it would be dope to be able to translate it. Yeah. All right, so, Alexi, you just manifested a lot, man. You got a lot going on. Uh, For me, I want to manifest that all of 
Alexi, Agensis fans, check out this interview. All of your folks from France, check out this interview. He he came on the podcast and uh, he really broke it down for us. Um, listen, I, I'm I'm not gonna hold you guys up on the conclusion, but uh, this is how I usually finish this this show, mm-hmm. Alexi. Um, so first of all, cheers to you, man. Cheers to you, your career, you showing up to the summer vacation mini series. Uh, also, man, just cheers to what you're about to do, man, because like you said, you, you've already envisioned what's coming next and you put it into motion. So cheers to a, a, a prosperous future. Cheers to uh, dinner, because I think all of us are hungry. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Proper Kickback. Cheers to the podcast, too. Yeah, cheers to the podcast. We got it going. Yeah. And also, it costs nothing to be good to someone. Be good to someone today. I'm your host, Rob Fields. He's Alexia Jensa. And we're on summer vacation. All right, peace out. See you on the next one.